Anybody had some problems with yourself lately? (laughs) Ruling and reigning in spite of yourself. Because we know God has created us to rule and reign in this life. We've already been talking about this. And I know I've been... uh, I've been traveling, I've been ministering in other places, so it's been a couple of weeks since you've heard some of this, but we went to Genesis, and we found out when we were created, when God created man, he gave him dominion, and he said, rule and have dominion over all the things of the earth. That was God's first intention. We understand that in the Old Covenant, God gave... uh, The kings, they ruled and reigned by what they said, their decrees. That's how we as kings and priests, we rule and reign with our words. Amen? A king, a ruler, has no rule unless he's spoken something. You know, he didn't just go sit on his throne and just, you know, expect you to know what he wants you to do. He has to declare something or decree it, right? Well, we have to declare and decree because the Bible says in Revelation that we are kings and priests unto our God. And we shall reign with him. Now, we know that there is a time coming when uh, we come back to this earth after the great tribulation. And I don't want to get into end times uh, teaching right now. But there is a time the rapture comes. And uh, we who are in Christ, we go up with Jesus. We meet him in the air. And then we're there for seven years. And there's people on the earth that are going to get saved. They'll have to give their life for their salvation. But they'll get saved. And then we'll come back with Jesus. That was, that was a revelation I got. Actually, when Maria went to be with Jesus, I got that revelation. We will be in the rapture. We'll just be up here a little bit, before, not down here. But amen. The Bible says that we'll we'll come up and, and we'll meet him, we'll be in the air with him. They'll come up and meet us, praise the Lord. But then there is a thousand year reign, and that's when we will reign on this earth. But right now, because of what Jesus did, and because of God's first uh, first assignment to man, Jesus came and made that right. Remember, we read that in Romans that. He came and made it by sin, one man reign, and by righteousness, we reign. Because Jesus became righteousness. He, we became righteous because of Jesus, not because of what we've done. So let's go to Romans 5 right now. Now, I want you to say this with me. Remember, this is really important when we're talking today. Because you've got to remember that you're a three-part being. You have three parts. Some of you uh, ladies that are in GCW for many, many years, I remember teaching on this years and years ago, and I brought an egg, and I showed you that an egg has a shell, it has a yolk, and it has a, a white, egg white. I'm thinking, what does it have? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes things just go. <laughs> but praise the Lord. Um, and so I, t- I taught you that just like an egg, we have, we're three parts. Now, what is that? What are those three parts? Number one, I am a spirit. Let's say that. I am a spirit. You are a spirit. And if you'll start living out of your spirit, 
instead of out of your mind and your flesh, you'll have more success. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. Let's say that. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. That's why when you leave this earth, you are still alive. In fact, you're more alive than you've ever been if you're a born-again Christian. Did you know that? That's why Jesus didn't talk about people who, who left their bodies and, and, as the world would say, died. Remember, he had to tell them, I tell you plainly, Lazarus is dead. But he didn't say that for a while because he kept saying he's asleep. I remember going down and, and hearing a teacher in our children's ministry one time uh, talking about that Jairus' daughter, uh, and she said, well, now, she really wasn't dead. She was just sleeping. Well, that's the wrong time for the pastor to show up. I said, what? She said, well, the, the Bible, Jesus said she's sleeping. I said, she was dead. But we have a different terminology because when we die in Christ, we're, we're not dead. We're alive unto Christ. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, sometimes you got to talk the way people understand. When I talk about my husband, I many times say he moved to heaven. That's what he did. He just relocated. I don't, I don't, well, I shouldn't say I never, but I, it's rare that I would say my husband died because he's alive. He's just in a different location. But I can say that in this group. But you go to the bank and say that, they, you know, they just stop and, but I still say it. My husband moved to heaven. Usually they don't want to talk to you anymore. But we were created, this is the point, we were created to reign on this earth. We read that in Romans 5. Let's go to Romans 5 and let's read. We've read most of it already. Let's go to, let's see where we want to go this morning. Let's go to verse 12. Therefore, just as though through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned, in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Adam was, was the first man. But you see in the scriptures it calls Jesus the second Adam. Why is that? Because God had a way of escape. When Adam create, uh, committed high treason, when Adam did what God told him not to do, and he, he ate of the fruit of the tree, do you ever think, there probably were a lot of trees in that garden, don't you think? It's the Garden of Eden. You don't think there was just sparse trees. I bet there was a lot of trees. And a lot of fruit and all this, you know. 
I believe there's a lot. But how many know it's, it's our nature <laughs> that it's not a God nature? But when someone says, don't eat of that tree, you keep wondering why not. Well, we know that Eve was deceived and Adam wasn't. But they, Adam was tempted and he gave in to that temptation just like you and I have been tempted and we've given in to temptation. So don't be so hard on Adam. I mean, he did mess things up, but God had a plan. Amen? God's always got a plan for your redemption. You can't mess up something so bad that God can't fix it. If Adam didn't mess it up so God couldn't fix it, don't you think we got a chance? Amen. God can fix our mess-ups. Thank God. If we allow him. So anyway, here, let's go on. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one the many died, much more, much more, say much more, did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. So it says that because of Adam's transgression, sin abounded. But much more grace abounds because of what Jesus did. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. Listen, this is why you can be free from legalism. That justification can, be, can also be translated righteousness. So by one man, Jesus, we can live in righteousness. We can live in justification, not by what we do. Listen, that's what, that's what happens when you try to live in a legalistic way towards the Lord. Because you're never going to be good enough. That's why we need grace. Amen. But we have grace. That's the good news. We have grace. Great grace. You know what I pray over you? Great grace is on you. I say that all the time. When people ask, how's the church? Oh, great grace is on our church. I speak it over you. I speak it over myself. Praise the Lord. And when Brother Copeland was praying for our family the other day, he prayed, great grace will be on them. I thought, that's just another confirmation. Great grace is on us. Amen. And thank God for it. I need God's grace. How about you? Amen. So verse 17 is one of our key verses here. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through that one. Now, you understand that transgression was Adam's transgression. Death reigned. That's when death came in. God didn't plan on death being on the earth. That wasn't the plan. But it came because of that transgression. But God had a plan. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Even as through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. That's why we don't say we're an old sinner saved by grace. 
Because if we do, we are discounting Jesus' sacrifice to make us righteous. I was an old sinner, but I got saved by grace. And it was good enough. His grace was sufficient. Amen? There is no more sacrifice. And if we keep trying to do these things to please God, to make ourselves worthy, then we are discounting what Jesus has done. Yes, we're supposed to live holy. Yes, we're supposed to do works of righteousness. Yes, we're supposed to walk by faith. I'm not saying you just go do whatever you want to do. I'm not saying that at all. Don't take that. And we don't have time to go into that. But I'm telling you that you have to understand that it's a finished work. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, he wasn't just trying to think of something to say. (laughs) Do you know that for him to even speak on the cross, when you are being crucified, your lungs, I mean, it took everything in it. I, I was with one of my family members, and it and it, they're having trouble uh, because of their lung situation to speak, and so they have to pull themselves up and speak because it's it's an effort to speak. Well, Jesus, those words he said on the cross. Let me tell you, he had to make a big effort to say them. So. Jesus never said anything that was useless or not necessary anyway. But let me tell you, those words on the cross, when he said it is finished, he had to fight for the breath to even come out to say it. But he said it. He declared it. He decreed it because he knew. That's it. What Adam messed up, I just fixed. And it's fixed forever eternity there's never going to be a god that's going to mess up again it's going to cause us all to go back to that isn't that wonderful we are redeemed by the blood of the lamb amen so praise god he says the law came in so that the transgression would increase but where sin increased grace abounded all the more let me tell you where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. That's how I learned it when I was reading King James. And I, that's how I remember it. Where sin abounds, and you know what people talk about? Oh, you know, this, there's so much sin, there's so much. Listen, if you hear someone say that, you just say, praise God, grace does much more abound. What are we going to do? There's so much sin in the... In Canada, there's so much sin in North America. And the wrath of God. Let me tell you, God's wrath has already been settled. And so, sin does abound. Sin, I'm telling you, I'm I'm not naive. Sin, there is more sin. Our, Our young people are having so many more temptations than we ever thought about. There's so many ways to sin these days. Uh, you know, uh, I remember when I was a young person, uh, if someone wanted to look at pornography, they had to buy a magazine and hide it under their bed or whatever. Today, you got to press one button and you can look at whatever you want that was even 
more vile than what you'd ever seen in that magazine. There's much more sin. But let me tell you, if the word is right, which it is, then there's much more grace. So I don't have to worry about sin. If you're worried about sin, then you need to start thinking about grace. You need to get your mind on Jesus. Amen? (laughs) Because sin doesn't have to control you. You can be free. The Bible says in the scripture, it talks about as easy it was for you to live in sin, you can live in righteousness. Amen? It's, it's not hard to be a Christian. It's not hard to live right. The world has lied to you. The devil has lied to you and said, well, you know what? If I become a Christian, then I'm going to have to give up this and I'm going to have to give up that. No, you get to give it up. You get to get free from it. And God's got something better. Amen? God's got the good life. Oh, I get to, I get to get, I, I have to give up uh, my hangovers that I had. Well, that's a sacrifice. Yeah. You get to wake up and you remember what you did the night before. It's wonderful to be free. All right? So today, ruling and reigning in spite of ourselves, I want you to see some scriptures, some examples, to tell you that you are supposed to rule and reign and stop making excuses. I heard the Holy Ghost say to me last week when I was praying, No more excuses. No more excuses. Do you know we make excuses all the time why we're not going to serve God? I mean, we think we're serving God, but why we're not going to do what God told us to do? Well, it's been being done since the beginning, right? Remember Moses? God told Moses. Remember, he had to go find Moses in the desert. Not that God didn't know where he was, but he went. And he he found Moses and he told him, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And you know what Moses said? I can't because I stutter. That's Brownie translation. (laughs) He he had a speech impediment. He said, I can't do that. Did God say, oh, I forgot all about that. I better go get George down here. No, God God said, you're going to go. Now, he gave him Aaron to go with him, his brother. But if you'll read through Exodus and you read through all this, listen, lots of times God said, Moses, you, do, you say to Pharaoh, and then you tell Aaron to do this. So God just didn't give him any back outs, you know. Moses, it made an excuse. But listen, God had a way for him to do it, right? Moses, Moses did have a speech. Something was wrong. That he disqualified himself, but God didn't disqualify him. Did God say, Moses, I'd like for you to do this, but you can't because you can't speak right. Listen, if God disqualified us because of our natural abilities, we'd all be disqualified. There'd be not one of us that could say anything. Well, what about Jonah? God sent Jonah to 
to tell Nineveh to repent. You know that story. But now didn't Jonah, <laughs> he kind of had a problem with anger, didn't he? Yeah. And he was a coward, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. That would probably disqualify you. Don't you think? Well, you can't do this because you're angry and you uh, are a coward. But God knew. Don't you think God knew Jonah was like that? Don't you think Jonah didn't just become like that because God spoke to him? No, that was his character issues. But God still said, I'm going to use him. Now, he did have to take him for a little trip to stay in a sea monster or whatever. We don't know what he was in, something in the sea. I have my opinion. I don't think it was a whale. But if it makes for a good picture book, that's okay. But he was in a fish or a sea creature for a while, wasn't he? How many of you have had that problem? How many of you didn't obey God and went swimming? It's dangerous to go swimming when you're not obeying God. Especially in the open ocean. I don't know that there's any fish uh, in the Loon Lake, Makwasakaiguan's Lake, but that's that big. No, because of Jesus. We got a better covenant, okay? But what I'm saying is Jonah had an excuse, didn't he? Remember when he went and he said under the gourd he just wanted to die? <laughs> He's mad because Nineveh is repenting. That just ticked him off. Because it's going to make him look bad because he said trouble was going to come for them and now they repented and now that's not going to happen. What a messed up mind that is. That's like, that's like rejoicing when someone's going to hell. <laughs> in the first great awakening in North America in the colonies, I believe it was Jonathan Edwards that preached a message. What was it called, Jonathan? In the, in the angry God. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. And he talked about God just holding them over the fires of hell. Well, praise God for the great awakening. And praise God for Jonathan Edwards. He did some great things. He just didn't have the revelation that you and I have. And he probably had more revelation about other stuff we don't have. So praise God. I'm not, I am not speaking evil of that man. He's with the Lord and having a great time. But let me tell you, God does not rejoice when anybody goes to hell. Hell was not created for man. It was created for the devil. But let me tell you, it's our choice whether we go to hell or we go to heaven. You have a choice. You have a free will. But you would be a fool to walk out of this building today without knowing you're bound for heaven. It's easy. And we'll make that available to you. What about Rahab? You know, <laughs> the Bible says it nicely. Rahab the harlot. 
Anybody use that word lately, harlot? It's not really in our vocabulary. Thank God. (laughs) But Rahab was a prostitute. She was low. But God used her. Amen? Because she she believed the word of the Lord. And what did she do? She hid the spies. God's people, God's men, she hid them. And because of that, God redeemed her and her whole family. Whenever everybody else perished, Rahab and her family didn't. And she's enlisted in Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Faith. (laughs) Right? She was low, but God lifted her. But don't you think she could have said, but God, everybody hates me. God, I can't do this because I'm a harlot. Don't you think she could have had an excuse? But God saw something in Rahab that Rahab didn't see. And when Rahab believed the Lord, God made her into a new person. I don't think she continued prostitution. Do you think she did? She married Salmon? She married Salmon. (laughs) Thank you, John. Put that in my little notes. <laughs> I guess Sam Salmon was a nice person. <laughs> Hallelujah. What about David? Did David mess up royally? I mean, David, the Bible said he was a man after God's own heart, but Lord, that guy was messed up sometimes. <laughs> that gives us all hope, doesn't it? David, remember, he was he saw Bathsheba taking a bath over on the roof. He wants her. Well, number one, she is another man's wife. That's called adultery, David. But David, what's he do? He gets Joab to go out and murder Bathsheba's husband. Right? So he can have Bathsheba. That's messed up, David. But God still used him. Because if you'll read the psalm, you'll see. David really did regret his decisions. Listen, all of us have made decisions that we regretted. That we've done things and we think, that was really a stupid thing to do. But there's that grace that comes. Great grace when we can repent. The book of, uh, a book of James tells us that we have an advocate with the Father, even the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We have an advocate. We have hope when we sin. We have someone that will listen to us and forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's big, isn't it? He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. God is not counting your sin against you. You know who's counting your sin against you? 
the enemy, the devil. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. Let me tell you, when you have repented, your sins are washed away, just like we sang this morning. But how many of you have been, you know, thinking about the Lord, thinking about doing something for God, and you hear this thought in your mind, oh, but remember what you did. Y'all are so holy. Not me. That's never happened to me. Yes, it has. Because the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He comes to tell you, how dare you think you can believe God? You know what you do. And if, if the devil doesn't do it, your spouse will tell you. No. <laughs> Take that back. That wasn't nice. Job's spouse did. Job's wife made sure he knew. Wasn't it nice of the devil to leave Job's wife with him? So that she could say, curse God and die. That's what every man needs to hear in the morning. Not good morning, darling. Here's your coffee. Why don't you just curse God and die? Good morning. (laughs) Job had an excuse. He had lost everything. Everything. His children, his his land, his buildings, everything. He had lost everything but this woman. And he even had boils all over his body. Don't you think Job could have said, "Mm, I think she's right. I need to just go ahead and die. Let me tell you, when you start thinking, I just think I'll just die. You better not think like that. Because that is the enemy trying to steal your life and convince you you have no more worth on this earth. Everybody has worth. Listen to these people. Were they not messed up? I, I mean, we could spend a whole hour me just telling you people from the Bible. Not, not, I mean, I wouldn't even get into people from the Word Church. No. <laughs> I love you. Bless your darling hearts. (laughs) It's true. We've all messed up. We've all blown it. But I tell you, the more and more you walk in that river, and the more and more you spend time with Jesus, the less and less you're going to blow it. The less and less you're going to mess up. Because you become more like him. Right? Right? Barry just encourages me. Have, I mean, if you've spent any time with this young man in the last couple of months, man, he's growing by leaps and bounds. I just, I just, thank God. I was praying last night and just, I'd seen him yesterday for just a moment or so. And God just brought him to my heart. And I just started, whoa. I mean, he got it. And he's not ashamed. He's telling people. He's writing it on Facebook. I mean, he's got it. But this is what we all can have. We can all move into that and leave that behind. I didn't even know the boy had a voice for a while. (laughs) 
was so quiet as compared to me. I probably wouldn't have let him say anything. I was probably talking all the time. But don't you do your eyes like that. Uh, But he has a voice. And he's got some good stuff to say. And you ought to listen. But you all have a voice. You all have good stuff in you. And you've got to tell it. You've got to walk in it. And the more we walk in it, the less we have that other stuff. That old life. Because really, the moment you're born again, what's the word say? You become a new creation. Old things pass away. All things are new. Now, is that true or not? That is true. But listen, Christians are the worst to remind somebody of their past. Well, you can't do that because you remember what you were like. And you know, many times you get a celebrity gets born again. Well, they want him on every Christian television show. And then they're just baby Christians. They're not grounded in the word. And what happens? They fall and it's like big news. Well, that's why God says you don't don't lay hands on any man suddenly. It's not right. They should, they're not doing that guy or that woman any favors. By putting them up and saying, look at them. Let me tell you, how many of you were ready to stand before millions when you first got born again? Don't you think you would have said something stupid? I'm sure I did. Done something stupid? I'm sure I did. But God, but God, but God, hallelujah. How about uh, Gideon? Don't you think Gideon had an excuse? Remember the the Midianites were coming. I think it was the Midianites. The enemies were coming. And he was in there. Boy, he was was getting the the grain ready. He was afraid. And God called him and said, you're going to lead this great army. Do you think he thought, yeah, you picked the right one. I've been waiting all the time for that. How many of you, God tells you to do something, and you think he just made a real mistake there? (laughs) I don't know what you were thinking, God. Have you not forgot who I am? Yes, he's not forgotten who you are. He knows exactly who you are. And you are greater than you know. Because the greater one's in you. There's not one person in here that God has destined to just do nominal things. To just be a nominal Christian. There's not one of you. Not one of you, every one of you, God has a great plan for your life. God has good stuff ahead because Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know, this is God talking. I know the plans I have for you. Quit telling me what plans I have. I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. You're not supposed to be hopeless. You're not supposed to be worried Because I've got it under control. What's he say after that? Verse 12 and 13 says, call on me and I'll answer you. He's waiting for us to just stop and say, what's the plan? He says, I have a plan for you. How many of you have asked him lately, what's your plan for my life? Most of the time we go to God and tell him our plan. 
and ask him to bless it. <laughs> you know, many times we're trying to to um, live for God, but we don't live in him. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says, now are you in Christ? In, in Ephesians and Colossians, you'll see, it says we are in him. There's a difference to living for God. And you're supposed to live for God. I'm not saying that's a, a negative. But the better thing is to live in God. If I'm in him, then it takes away my personal agenda. Right? Because if I'm living for God, then I have a personal agenda there at some point, don't I? I'm trying to live for him. I'm trying to do his will. And that's a good thing. But we, we still consider ourselves, right? But if I'm living in him, then I am not important. He is important. And it's just such freedom. Let me tell you, it's such freedom when you can quit worrying about what people think of you and you're concerned what he, people think of him in you. That's so free. Amen? You know, it is important. It is important that we finally get to a place where we say, it is not about me. It's, I must decrease and he must increase. We need to go to the Lord and ask of him. Inquire of the Lord. This has been uh, just some things that Brother Copeland had said uh, a couple of weeks there ago when we were ministering in Texas. And it just got in my heart about inquiring of the Lord. And I realized that how important that is to inquire of the Lord. In other words, ask the Lord. How many of you are asking the Lord? Brother Copeland reminded me of something that he taught us years ago. And he said he inquires of the Lord what suit to wear every day. What he's supposed to wear. And you know what? I used to be very good at that. I remember even a, a ladies meeting we had here. And I remember because I learned that principle to ask the Lord what to wear. Do you know that's a pretty good thing? You're not going to show up with stuff that's immodest. You're not going to show up with stuff that, that isn't pleasing to the Lord. Ask the Lord, what do you want me to wear today, Lord? I learned that a long time ago. And I remember this night, I was at home and I was trying to dress for this meeting. And David was lying on the, on the uh, bed watching me in the closet. And I would take out one thing and go, no. Take out another thing, no. And this was going on for a long time. And he said, what, what are you doing? I said, I've asked the Lord what to wear, and I just can't hear. Like, I, I get it, and it's like, no, I don't know what God wants me to wear. And all of a sudden, I see this blue jacket. I put the blue jacket. I said, this is it. This is what God says to wear. I get to the meeting. The guest speaker says, I was in prayer today. And the Lord told me that there would be a woman wearing a blue coat, blue jacket today, tonight. And God has something I'm supposed to do with, for that lady. 
And then she looks at me, oh, it's you, Brownie. There was not one other woman in the room that had a blue coat jacket on that night. And you know what it was? God wanted an offering received for the woman in the blue jacket. I was so glad I'd asked God what to wear that night. You know, that sounds like a simple thing, but it's important. I don't know why it's important. And even the, I, I have some ideas, but one thing is that you learn to hear God's voice. That you give him an opportunity to speak concerning your life. If you can ask God what to wear, don't you think you can ask him who to marry? Of course. But you have to learn to hear his voice. Romans 13, 14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. Don't make provision for the flesh. That means no excuses. You can't tell God, well, I'd like to obey you, God, but I'm a woman. That doesn't work. Ask me how I know. You can't tell God, I'd like to obey you, but I'm too young. Or I'm too old. Or I don't feel good. You know what? I learned a long time ago that I don't feel good just does not work too well for the Lord. It Again, don't you think he knows? So when God says something, I can't give the excuse, I don't feel good. If he wants me to do something, he will give me strength to do it. That means, Brownie, use your faith. Right? But we make excuses. We make excuses. I can't because, you know, I got to do this or I promise so-and-so. Let me tell you, watch what you promise. If you're tuned into God, then you're very careful what you promise to do. How many of you have said yes to somebody and then you realize, I shouldn't have said yes. I got myself in a mess. Now, I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking. I'm just saying like somebody wants you to go out to dinner or something and God had a setup for something else. And you realize you didn't even ask God because you felt obligated. This is the thing we need to learn to inquire of the Lord. If I'm going to rule and reign, I cannot keep considering myself. I have to consider him. Consider Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Consider Jesus. It doesn't say consider you. It doesn't say consider your body. It doesn't say consider your circumstances. It doesn't say consider your job. It doesn't say consider your age. It doesn't say consider your gender. It says consider Jesus. If that's my only consideration then I'm going to obey what he wants to do, right? If I make any other thing a consideration whether I'm going to do what God wants me to do, then I have gone into sin. Did I make that too plain? <laughs> Disobedience is sin. So, we don't have to live in sin, remember? We can live in righteousness. We can do this. This is not too hard. If it was too hard, then these guys that I read to you, they were all under the old covenant. And I did that on purpose. Now, we know under the new covenant, there were some that messed up too. But under this, even under the old covenant, God still used them when they felt disqualified or they looked to other people to be disqualified. The only qualification that you need is that the Lord qualifies you.
Amen? If the Lord qualifies you, you're qualified. Right? So the point is, you see in all these cases, you see that they had to depend on God and not on themselves. Right? They had to put their dependency on God and not their own abilities. Now, look at Acts 19. Praise the Lord. Many of you know about Acts 19. Talk about Paul. Now, there's a guy that could have had excuses, right? I mean, Paul, he was, he was the terrorist of the day. Did you know that for the Christians? He was the terrorist leader, Paul, known as Saul. Yet God had a, an assignment for him, and God qualified him. He had to give himself to God, though, didn't he? Praise the Lord. Now, Acts 19, verse 11, says God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Do you know what? This is a day, church, of extraordinary miracles. We're going to see more and more miracles, extraordinary miracles, than we've ever seen before. Get ready. God's going to use you. He's going to use me to see extraordinary miracles. So that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. I want you to know that Paul wasn't, wasn't purposely selling these cloths, you know, buy my prayer cloth and <laughs> you'll get healed. Send me $10, I'll send you a prayer cloth. No. He's just working. Let me tell you, when the anointing's on you, you don't have to make it happen. You, if the anointing's on you, you can walk into a room and things happen. There was a prophetic word spoken over Jonathan, and it actually... Uh, I said, well, that, those kind of things happen in your dad's ministry. Talking about just going in a place and demons start manifesting. Like, you're not going in looking for a demon. Uh, I think David sometimes played with it a little. <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 I've been a witness. We'd be at a restaurant, and I'd see him talking to himself. And then I see people just going nutty. He said, that's a demon. What did you do? <laughs> said, I just start coming against it. Demons don't like to be in the presence of the anointing. So there ought to be some happenings when you're around. Listen, if nobody gets upset at you, if, if you're just the most well-liked person in the whole world, then I'd say you're probably need to just check on yourself. Because somebody is not going to like what you're doing for Jesus. Now, the Bible says that God causes even our enemies to be at peace with us. But I'm talking about demonic activity, and we have power over that, don't we? Amen. Amen. So it says, let me go back to where I was. But also some of the Jew Jewish exorcists, 
who went from place to place, attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, <laughs> I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. How many think that works? How many think that's a good idea? These were the Jewish exorcists. Now, I hope none of you have seen that movie. I haven't seen it. Don't ever intend to see it. But it sure caused a lot of demonic activity when it was being shown. But the Jewish had a way to exorcise demons out. But they found out that this name of Jesus just worked a lot better. So they decided that's how you do it. Well, the seven sons of one Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered. <laughs> they said, these, seven, these are seven brothers. Get this, seven brothers. They are, they are the sons of the chief priest. So, you know, they're kind of important. So they go, someone that has devils, and says to them, I adjure you by the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the devil talks back. Well, that, that probably caused him to get a little scared. And the devil says, I recognize Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Ripped their clothes off. Wounded them. Do you think they all got together later and said, well, that didn't work very good. <laughs> you can't play with this stuff. You don't play with this stuff, but you do have the name of Jesus because Jesus has given you his name. And he said, and in my name, you will cast out devils. But if it's not a revelation in you and you're just doing it because somebody else does it, whether it's believing for a car. You know, some people heard about this is years ago. Brother Copeland had given away many cars and several airplanes. And I remember this guy that worked for Brother Copeland at that time. He, gave, he said, well, it worked for Brother Copeland. And Brother Copeland, when I worked for him, there was a guy that would drive from Arizona and every year bring two brand new a Lincoln Mark Fives or whatever they were, to the door and say, this is for Kenneth Gloria. Every year. It didn't come out of the ministry's money. It was just, this is what happened. And so somebody that worked for Brother Copeland said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give away my card. That person ended up walking for a long time. You don't do something because somebody else does it. You have to have a revelation in yourself. And if God tells you to do it, then you obey God. You've got to know that God knows you personally and has a plan for you personally. Amen? Well, don't do something just because someone else does it. That's not wise. This became known to all, both Jews and Greeks who lived in Ephesus, and fear fell upon them all. I guess so. The chief priest's son, Salte, man, we were naked and wounded when we left that place. Don't try that. Well, it said fear fell upon them. Well, I believe the name of Jesus, it said, was being magnified. The fear of the Lord came. The fear of the Lord came. And they began to magnify the Lord. 
Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Mightily. How much was 50,000 pieces of silver in today's economy? It's hard to say because, as you know, silver is going up and down. But between 4 and $8 million, that's a lot of stuff. But what happened when that happened? When they, they gave up their magic, they gave up the things. Listen, when I got born again, I went and got my rock and roll records, my Beatles records, which today would be worth a lot of money. I went and got my records. I went and got my horoscope books. I went and got everything I could think of that was not pleasing to God, my, my little Hawaiian tiki mask, and I burned it all, and then I decided to burn my mama's stuff too. That's not a good idea. That could cause some problems between you and mama. At least it did for me. I figured I'd just help her out. She doesn't need horoscope books. Need like, Listen, you don't need to be looking at horoscope. That's demonic. Stop it. Do you really think that has the plan for your life? Some people look at the, the fortune cookies. Well, look what it says. Really? Do you really think that's true? Jesus wants you to inquire of him. He has the plan. The plan. Hallelujah. So it says, they counted. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. When you get rid of the things that are holding you back, when you say, I don't care if it's something, it might not be a sin. But if there's something that holds you back where you can't be in church, where you can't be reading your Bible and doing your own devotions, if there's something, whatever it is, you need to get it out of your life. There's nothing more important than the Lord Jesus. There's nothing more important than at the end of the day that you can say, I did what he said he wanted me to do. Nothing. Nothing. <clears throat> I, I knew that this is where we were going today. The Lord had already shown me. But this morning I woke up with a scripture and I had to laugh. Because this is the scripture I woke up with. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is, in my flesh. That's what I heard when I woke up at 5 o'clock this morning. Nothing good dwells in me. That is my flesh. That is not a real good morning, Brownie. How you doing? But it is when you realize that in the flesh, it is not good. But if we walk in the spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So it says, for the willing is in me, but the doing of the good is not. This is Romans 7. This is the same man who had extraordinary miracles happening by just his handkerchiefs from his work that he would throw down. This is the same man saying in Romans 7, the what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man, 
Remember? And then he goes on from Romans 7, he goes to Romans 8 and says, but there is therefore now no condemnation in them that are in Christ Jesus. Amen? There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. The English Standard Version for Romans 17, 18 says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. In your flesh, you cannot carry out this. But you're not supposed to walk in the flesh. You're supposed to walk in the Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has said, I'll send you a helper. The Holy Spirit. You have help. You have the Holy Spirit. So why not let the Holy Spirit work through you? Quit trying to do this in the flesh. Quit trying to. I'm trying not to sin. Do you know? That's sort of like Adam saying, I'm trying not to eat from that tree. The harder you try not to sin, that's what you're thinking about. Sin, right? Oh, I can't sin. I can't sin. What are you thinking about? Sin. I'm I'm trying not to do that. I'm trying not to do that. You have to take captive those thoughts and you have to renew your mind. Amen? And how do you do that? By the water of the word. Amen? You find it, whatever your problem is, whatever you're dealing with, and there's an answer in the word of God, you find scriptures. You go and you find, I mean, it's so easy today to get... You know, a concordance, all kinds of stuff online. You can get in the bookstore. You can buy one in a book form. But you can go and you can find if you've got a problem, anything you've got a problem with. Find what the word says. And when that thought comes, say, no, I'm delivered from that. No, I don't do that anymore. No, that's not me. No, I'm going to church. Amen. So we go back to our last scripture. Philippians 4.13, what's it say? For I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's New American Standard. King James says, I can do all things through Christ. That's the him. Christ. What? Christ wasn't Jesus' last name. Some people, Jesus Christ, that's his last name. No, Christ means the Messiah, the anointed one, and his anointing. I can do all things through the anointed one and his anointing. I can't do it by myself. I can't make myself do it because then I'm doing it in the flesh. Listen, if we try to have this church... Listen, there's all kinds of church growth things. There's things we could do today that we would fill up this church next week. I promise you. There's, there's a church that they, they are giving away $30,000 in their offering. Well, we've done that before. We've given away money at, at offering time, but it's not a gimmick. It was a move of God, but we don't do it every week, and they don't do it every week. But this, they got some envelopes that got a 10, some's got a 20, and some's got a 50. So they're advertising so people will come and you'll draw, see what you can get. Doesn't that kind of sound like a lottery? Well, I don't know. Maybe God told them to do it. I'm not saying it. 
But I'm telling you, there are gimmicks that you can get people in church. But if we do it in the flesh, we're going to have to live with it. Because it's a flesh result. But we do it in the spirit, then God has control. Amen? Well, the same goes for your life. If you're going to do it in the flesh, well, then you're going to have to maintain it in the flesh. You do it in the spirit, then God maintains it. So which do you want? I kind of like the thought that God will do it. Amen? So, we rule and reign in spite of ourselves. (laughs) We rule and reign with no excuses. Stop making excuses why you're not doing something God told you to do. Start using your faith. Some of us have got faith lazy. We want somebody else to pray for us, but we don't do a whole lot of fighting ourselves. You can get to that part, can't you? Will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Are you praying for yourself? Are you using the word yourself? It's not wrong to have people pray for you. That's not wrong at all. But are you using your faith? God wants you to step up and use what it words in you, what you know. When you know to do better, what? You do better. Listen, we're very blessed. We know a lot of the word, but we can be fat cat in it. You know what I mean? Just getting fat on the word and not using it. It's time we use the word that we have in us. To have victory in our own lives and see to it that the people that we have in our sphere, that God has appointed to us, that they have victory. Everybody around you ought to know you believe in a God that does extraordinary things. That you believe in a good God. That you believe in a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than they could ask or think. That's our God. God's got a good plan for you. He does. And you're not ever going to walk in it until you inquire of him and ask him, what is my plan? What is the plan? You don't have, you know, someone said to me, what's your 10-year plan? (laughs) I just plan on following Jesus. I kind of have some thoughts, but... I don't, I, I'm not planning out my, my life for 10 years later because God is in control. I'm not saying it's wrong to make plans, but make those plans with God. Don't make the plans and then tell God, here's the plan. Amen? We got some good plans. This, we are entering into a new season The Lord spoke to uh, us, particularly Jonathan and I, uh, about September being a new season and a transition time. And uh, when we were in Texas, the Holy Spirit prophetically said it again, that September would be a new season, a time of transition. That's just confirmation. So we're walking it out. 
things are a little uncomfortable sometimes. But that's okay. Because it's, it's God's time. It's a time of transition for you. It's a time of a new season for you. Look at it as I get to start a new season. Isn't it wonderful? It's wonderful. Not to, not to regret, but to say, you know, thank God for that, but I'm in a new season. I'm going to go further and higher with God. I'm going to do greater things. I am going to be healthy and whole. I'm going to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I'm putting on the whole armor of God. God is opening doors for me that no man can shut. Amen? I'm walking in the power of God. Have that about you, that tenacity that no devil will stop me. No person will stop me. And I'm telling you, this time next year, we'll look back and go, my, my, my. Aren't we glad we heard from God? Aren't we glad that we took those steps that were a little uncomfortable? Let me tell you right now, I'm in an uncomfortable time where it's, it's not, it's not um, familiar. But sometimes that's really good. I never thought it would be in my 60s that I, I would be getting into new territory. But praise God, that's okay because we're going for God. If you're going to live long and strong, then listen, when, when God sent Moses and Aaron, do you know how old they were? I can't remember exactly, but I think Moses was 82 and Aaron was 80. Something like that. Just spring chickens. No wonder Moses said, hey, can you find somebody else? There's not time. God needs us all. From the youngest down there in nursery to the oldest, we all have an assignment. And we're all qualified. Amen? Stand to your feet. Praise the Lord.